0: Hi everyone uh welcome to today's episode of the Mastering retention podcast uh today we have luis cascante with us yeah,
1: that's right um, yes
0: which is uh super exciting um normally i, I don't actually know what you're doing right now uh, i think you just mm-hmm. decided you're not going to be at star stable but you most recently were there um, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we get to talk about all sorts of fun things today, but uh, I know one of the topics that, um, is going to be fun is actually talking about designing games for younger audiences, um, which will be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But before we dive into stuff, um, I always <laughs> like to ask, and you know, like, Luis, what's your story? Like, how did you get into games?
1: Um, probably similar story to a lot of the people that you have on the podcast, uh, playing games as a kid, um. But I, so yeah, so I grew up in the 80s, let's say, so, and, and I was, I played a lot of games, and then I studied computer science, and uh, I was hired out of university by Ubisoft. So Ubisoft was was starting a new studio in Barcelona. They were a relatively small company back then, uh, so obviously now they're gigantic, but yeah, um, they they were just uh, Barcelona. They they had some distribution, but they were starting a um, development uh, studio, and um, yeah. So I jumped into games. I didn't know like it was either that or I could do. Uh, it was it was like um, you know signals a software for signals for trains, and I was like maybe I can try games, and so I did that. <laughs> And I will try it for a year. If it doesn't work, then I can do trains. So, um, and uh, so, yeah, I was a software developer, uh, more like a generalist than anything else. Uh, they actually hired me because I didn't like graphics or physics. They were like, we have everyone that applies who wants to do graphics or physics, and you don't. So, we need people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need people that can do other things. I was like, okay, yeah, great so uh, i did a lot of audio um you know ui and things like that and network as well like when when games were starting to be online so i'm probably mm-hmm. dating myself now but yeah it was free like, <laughs> for online games and um and then uh i stick with ubisoft for a long time i stuck with ubisoft for a long time um, the um um the thing is i love to travel and see how other people worked so i was just going to other studios and spending time there and, and eventually i moved into production and um i i worked in production for a while and um, smaller and bigger games and then i saw like there was something that wasn't really sitting well with me it was like mm, you know <laughs> I'm getting good at delivering things, but I'm not entirely sure if this is what I want to do. So yeah. uh, I'm missing something. I'm missing like you know this connection to who who am who am I doing this thing for like like, like I don't I don't, know, I don't even talk to the players. So um, I I decided to leave like games. I was like I'm leaving the games industry, and then I was persuaded to join King, <clears throat> which was very interesting because it was completely different culture. It was Like okay, let's just give it a try. And I was doing a different type of work, so I became an agile coach, uh, which is something that I had never done, but I knew a lot about agile development, so okay, let's just, you know, again, give it a try, and that was super interesting, it was, a hey, this is actually fun, Uh, uh, this uh, this is a different way of looking at things and working with like an audience in mind and -hmm. and in a more like maybe a more inclusive way with with like the team, uh, the team had to actually think about like the user, not about the user, think like the user. So it's like, hey, you're not, we're not the target audience here, but um, that is actually a good thing. Like, so we are not making the games for ourselves. We are making games for, you know, middle-aged women who likes to play, they like to play Candy Crush in bed so in the iPads. So let's let's think about what they actually want. And that was, that was really, really good for me. I, I think I, I got like this second wind of uh, I want to stay within games. And um, yeah, and then I, for the last maybe uh, eight years or so, I've been working on games that have been um, for kids. So uh, status table um, is um, it's a it's a game studio here in in Sweden and and they do um, their main product is an MMO for girls um, uh, and it's about horses as maybe you have guessed by the name and then I also worked at Tokaboka. Boca and they make games uh, it's not games actually it's like digital toys for for kids and both companies have been amazing in. In this idea of like really flipping around the stories they we're not making games for ourselves we're making games for this particular audience i really like that
0: yeah that's super cool um so this will be a lot of fun to talk about so my <laughs> my oldest daughter um mm-hmm. is like super into horses she's just about five years old and so we have two horsey games as she calls them the first one is Breath of the Wild.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: like, instead of actually playing that game, she just like you know likes to capture the horses and ride around and stuff. Um, and the other one is actually one of Star Stable's games. Um, so, I guess she's probably your ideal audience. Um, I haven't given into you know asking mm-hmm. to buy things in the game yet, but you know who knows? Time will tell. Um, I think
1: maybe uh, five years old. Um, she's a bit young. Uh, yeah. I would say um, this out of text. And, and Star Stable, and so it can be a bit hard. So, if you play with her, it's okay. Uh, the and yes, we have other we have uh, an app that is about growing folds into that's you know, that's uh, the game
0: we're, we're currently that's playing. the game we're that are not, to, yeah. we're not uh, online yet. And so, she usually yeah. has me uh read them, although it has actually been helping her learn to read. Like, mm-hmm. she figured out what go was between the like stop and go, and you know, which one she wanted to mm-hmm. and stuff. So, you know, she's it's got great. her letters down, but it's that intro reading of like she's starting to put the letters yeah. together. So, um, very interesting.
1: And um, you should try—you uh, know—Toca Life World has uh, horses in it. There is uh, an entire place around horses. It's a stable, so that <laughs> could also be fun. <laughs> Just ah. pr- promoting promoting the products. Yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Um, so, for folks that are thinking about maybe creating games for, say, younger children, or we'll just say like under 13, Mm -hmm. um, how would you approach that differently than you would say, maybe let's go go through a couple examples. Let's say me and you today decide we want to start a studio. Um, We're going to start maybe more of a traditional, I don't know, like a puzzle match three type game is one. And then Maybe let's uh, decide, hey, we're going to make a horsey game um, that's targeting, you know, girls that are 7 to 13 or something like that. So, mm-hmm. like, what would one approach look like and how would that be different for, like, designing from kids? Because uh, I think there could be a lot of to mm-hmm. learn here about how you think about your audience.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, honestly, I think both of those games can be actually developed in a similar way. So it's not like um, it's... Um, maybe the first thing before thinking about going into the kids space is to really think if you have a passion for that because it's hard <laughs> so it is it is actually it's actually harder the um, um i think first of all there is a lot of um especially if you have something like an app online anything that remotely is connected to the internet you have to think about compliance and there is a lot of stuff that changes if you are working with under 13s or if you're working with an audience that is actually mixed so it says you have under and over 13. um so you need to think if you really really want to do it like if you if you think you this is an audience that you love this is an audience that you really have um an appetite for for delivering something to, and um, and then the, I would say when it comes to ideating an experience for kids versus an experience for adults, um, it's uh, maybe adults can tell you if they like something, uh, but they are going to be, some, some, I mean, sometimes they're going to lie to you, so you have to find ways to, you know, understand reactions. Kids are going to be dramatically um honest with you they're going to just like this is shit and it's like just throw <laughs> it away and obviously not with those words but they're going to throw it away and they're not going to use it at all so um the uh one of the most interesting parts of working at a company like Boca, for example that that was a skewing younger kid uh more aligned with the ages that you just mentioned like seven to thirteen mm-hmm. um was to see how um it was a continuous um learning from the kids so the the office is located in front of a school and and then the um, and there is a lot of kids coming to the office obviously um not during COVID, um, but mm-hmm. uh, before that it was uh if you look at pictures of the office online you will see that it's very colorful and and it looks very fun and it's in part is. Aligned with the brand, but it's also so that the kids could come to the office and feel very comfortable and it's full of toys so so they will come to the office, they will just play with stuff and then. Um, the teams will actually look at that as what are, what are the kids doing what do they like what you know what are they touching. Uh, they will make like prototypes that were like paper prototypes or, or like physical things that the kids could actually touch and and, and actually see if they're interested in that and then building a lot of prototypes and it really requires to have a, a strong like sense of will like like the idea that um you're going to be wrong like it doesn't matter like what you you your <laughs> guess is like you, the kids are going to love this you're probably going to be wrong um what happens is that the kids are probably going to love something that maybe you didn't think they would and that can give you a hint of another thing that you could potentially build for them um and i think it's a lot of trying things uh, i i usually say um took alive life took life was a premium app franchise so they there was tons and tons and tons of small apps and if you go to the app store and you look for took life they are they are still there um and then eventually uh they built a product that um Uh, There is a live service um, that connects all those apps and uh, enables the company to produce more content without having to like going through the process of acquiring the users every time that they release a a new app. And so it's it's more like uh, it's it's the product versus the project, let's say. Um, But uh, I think, and I work on the product, I didn't work on, on those projects, but I think my job was easier because these teams had gone through the pain of figuring out what these kids liked and iterating for years with one product and another and another and another and then <laughs> reaching the point where, okay, this works. So let's build something that we can actually um, operate uh, for the longer term. And yeah, so in an status and stable, I think it's been uh similar but different um table did this thing where they built the product um in, in, in public let's say so uh 10 years ago uh, 11, <laughs> 11 years ago they launched Stereo Stable, and uh, and i think there was like a handful of players um and not very high expectations from even the companies themselves that the the product will actually be um like you know very successful in in a a broad sense of success um but what they did is they promised we are going to deliver something every week so they built literally they built the product week by week and and the players have seen the good the bad and the ugly so they have seen everything like they have been exposed to (laughs) you know like this is life development and if you look at a lot of the a lot of the teams that are doing crypto games these days they have this approach and, and I think it's one of the things that I actually think they're doing well, like they have this community and they're involving the, the, uh, their, their players in, in, in really having some agency around the product. So it's like, Hey, uh, you know, let's, let's build this together. And, um, so that's, that's how they did it. And, uh, and I think the, um, you can probably why do, do you, that with other kids.
0: yeah yeah, why, why do you think that worked? Was it just like a faster feedback loop or
1: mm. um, Yes. Uh, so definitely that is one of the components. Thank you uh, you you get into the habit. Uh, I think sometimes it's, it's tough for the for the teams to deliver on a weekly basis. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. And at the same time, I, I don't know, I've been talking to people in, uh, I'm still in touch with, you know, the AI community. And then I talked to them and was like, okay, so, so what are your challenges? It's like, well, uh, you know, the, the teams are trying to figure out the continuous delivery. and like, well, it's not delivers every week. It's not perfect. It can be better, <laughs> but, but they actually do that. And they, I think they failed once that apparently some backend meltdown, uh, <laughs> it down and this is like horrible but uh, other than that they they have been delivering um but uh, so yeah so it's the feedback uh you can see like immediately with the community they are very vocal so these kids um are not shy <laughs> they, they are with, they will tell you everything and they um uh, and then you can actually like start to Sort of um, maybe not immediately because obviously you have plans and then you're like you're looking at maybe three months in advance something like that. But not immediately, but then you can start shaping and actually seeing how the reaction is going. And for many years, stable didn't really publish anything about what's what's coming. So it's like no, not like you know this is the roadmap and we are delivering this and that's very common in in life services these days. Yep. and festival was not doing that so so the players didn't know what was going to be released that week and that was good but also bad because I think like there was an element of surprise um but there was also an element of this is not what i wanted so and <laughs> and this is not this is not enough like i i wanted more and yeah uh, so so yeah so that reaction was very present in um, in the in the game development team like some i think some developers actually had to put some distance from the feedback that the players actually had for us because it was sometimes it was not very kind but um but i think over time actually made it so that the the product was better overall and uh, and these days we publish a roadmap It's just one month ahead <clears throat> and um and i think that we have a better understanding of what works better and what doesn't um and and this is a concept of like trying to understand um your really your core audience so it's like this is the people that we are these are the people that we are making the game for and then we want them to be very satisfied so status table is the co- that core the people that are coming the, the players that are coming to the game are people that want to play um horses they want to take care of horses they want to collect horses so it's like maybe it's an obsession about horses that is very well satisfied and 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 we don't hear a lot of um complaints from players about it like sometimes they're like well you know this horse animation is not super realistic and like well we will fix it but um that's the kind of feedback Mm. but on the other side um one of the mechanisms that we have for attention <laughs> is, the uh, is the storytelling. So, so we, we are telling a story as like a fantasy soap opera with, um, like, I, I really love it. Like when I joined the company, I played for three months and, and I was like, Oh my God, what is going to happen next? Do I want to <laughs> continue? To? And, um, so it was, it was really a very, very interesting story, but we are delivering it, um, chapter by chapter on like almost like a quarterly basis because producing this kind of content is the most expensive content that we actually produce so the um, and and players actually are like uh, we want more we want more story like can you give us more story like we want to know what's happening with this with with these characters and um so i think that's 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 interesting in the sense of okay so if your core audience is satisfied uh you can without breaking that bond somehow you can start um looking at the smoke signals that are getting from the community to understand what else we need to satisfy in order to expand that uh, that co-audience and uh, and reach like a larger population because with these products we start with a very niche kind yeah. of audience yeah
0: so Star Stable is kind of like an MMO, so I'm I'm gonna reference mm-hmm. a little bit of like World of Warcraft here. So, oh
1: yeah,
0: do you have similar challenges to World of Warcraft in the sense that um, there are different player populations that like different things in the game? So, like World of Warcraft, you have to have PvP, but different levels of PvP. You have in-game content for like the people that like to raid then you have some people that like the stories and like the low levels, and you've got to constantly be like, you can't just neglect all your new players down here, but you also can't neglect all your elder players up here. Like, do you guys have similar challenges?
1: Um, yeah, that's uh, that's a really good question. And and yes, so the answer is yes. The um, uh, The way that we plan content, uh, I think these days is... is um, is something that is following some sort of pattern so like on a quarterly basis, we want to provide. X amount of story content X amount of races that is more like competition so for the people that actually like that X amount of um, so like new horse breeds so it's for the people that actually like to take care of horses Um, so that's. And um, uh, there's definitely something that we have in mind and uh, and I think that's. also something that we have iterated over the years so the uh when i joined the company there was a lot of cosmetics so it was a lot of like clothes and like ways for the players to express themselves and i think that has gone down because there are many many options in the game already and and the players were not really demanding that they 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 are demanding more quality of in those things but they are not demanding that so we uh, we started to put more emphasis on the story content like new areas so expanding the game and uh, and the horses are our mainstay so players always want like no more horses that look beautiful so there's like here here they are The and and one, one thing that we did um last year is um um, we, we promoted someone to a game director and that person actually, she used to be a player, then became as like a streamer. Then she started working with us in community and she became a producer and now she's the game director. She talks to players. She understands the players. She is a player. So, so, and, and yes, she can actually say like with her eyes closed, uh, <laughs> if something is going to hit uh-huh. in a par- particular segment of the population, because she's been so embedded with this product for so many years. So, so I think that's, that's definitely something that helps.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, OK, so let's continue on with kind of our audience building. And then I'm curious to see like what the differences are when we get to the match three kind of game.
1: OK, yes, I can tell you about Candy Crush, yes. <laughs> um,
0: Cool. So kind of designing with the player in mind, um, I imagine at least based on what I've seen for like these kid oriented games, Mm -hmm. uh, like when I launch it for my daughter, like we're hit with a whole bunch of offers immediately in the row. And it seems like a very jarring experience. And it seems like something that wouldn't really make sense. But the only thing that makes sense to me is well, you launch it because I, as the parent, am likely near the device when it's actually loading before I hand it over to my daughter. Like is, is that why you kind of preload all the offers in the sense? Because that's the really the only chance that you have to actually sell something to to parents, basically?
1: Um not entirely sure. Like I haven't been so involved in the evolution of the horses app. Mm-hmm. Uh, the horses app was um um it was almost like an acquisition. A mechanism for Star Stable, the MMO, because if you if you think about it, Star Stable didn't have a presence on mobile, right? So, so, so if kids go into the app store and they look for Star Stable, then they don't find it, uh, or they find an alternative game that is not really Star Stable. So, so horses was there, and uh, what we found was it had a gigantic audience. So it had a. Um, it had more players than the MMO. So the MMO has a significant population, and, but it's subscription-based, and and back in the days it was PC only, PC okay. and Mac. Uh, but um, but horses was most more accessible. So um, in the last year, um, there more than that year and a half, something like that. Uh, there has been some experiments running on. Can this app become a product by itself? So, can it be like something that you can enjoy without the connection with the MMO? Because you know, like the 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 whole appeal of horses, like if you play Star Stable, is that you can race a a foal to a a grown-up horse and then transfer that horse into the MMO, and then you can play adventures with that. but uh, yeah, so so we partner with um, um, a, mo- a, a company that is um, free-to-play mobile specialist, and they took ownership of horses. So mm. to to some extent, I am thinking that you stumble upon <laughs> some of the experiments that they have been <laughs> running. Um, the yeah, the idea for us is never to be. Um, Aggressive with monetization that is one of the things. Um, that we like, especially if you're making a product for kids I didn't mention that before, but. Um, some of the. Some of the levers that you can actually play in like normal free to play mobile. Uh, products you cannot really uh, apply them to to something that is for kids you can. like if you can live with it like we we didn't want to so um so we have some monetization guidelines that you know everyone in the company goes when they join and and one of those is no pressure on the kids so no no you can do everything um if you want to extend your experience then you can pay for something but there is no pressure no time pressure no fear of missing out no like time limited offers nothing like that so um yeah but um um so yeah um so i'm not entirely sure i haven't really looked uh, been as you know been on a on a break from the company so i haven't looked at the horses up for a long time but but i'm assuming that is something like that
0: yeah i was just curious if that's like the yeah. the best practice for every kids games or whatnot and um, kind
1: of i i wouldn't say that it would be like i wouldn't do that They. um if you look at Toka Life, for example, Toka Life, we decided to uh, uh not mean like the company as a whole. Um, it's um marketing to kids, it's not marketing to the parents. So um we uh we really believe that uh we want to have a, like an honest conversation with the kids uh on a like a like this is a this is something for you and we are treating you as um like, not, 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 not as an adult, but we are not treating you like an idiot. So we are, we are, we really believe that um, you can make your own decisions. And um, and and we know from, um, you know, there's a lot of customer research out there saying like your kids actually have the highest uh, influence when uh, households actually purchase things. So um, yeah, so so we like we don't need to market to the parents. We we are approaching the kids directly. Um but Toka Life, if you ever use that product, you will see that you're never there's not like that kind of like here an offer. You have to go to the the shop and the the shop in the game is sort of modeled after a Lego catalog. So it's like if you're it's like if you're browsing through boxes of Lego and uh, and then you can see what's inside, uh, how many characters you get, um, how big it is. And so it's something like that. It's like the, you know, the, the side of the box in, in a Lego box that is telling mm-hmm. you all those things. And, uh, and that, that is, that was the feeling. It was more like you're browsing, um, a catalog It's not here. Are, here's everything that you can buy. and and then you're, uh, this is for your parents. Uh, one of the things that kids games have, um, uh, have is um, parental controls. So, for example, kids cannot really buy things. Like, it's not like the, you know, the dark ages of uh, Smurfs Village. That's not yeah. that anymore. So, you're like, you, there is, there is, an, you have to implement and it's compliance. You have to implement safety checks so that the kids don't buy accidentally anything. Um, so, it's, uh, uh, Is by regulation, but it's also, if you are a smart uh, company, you will want to do those things on your own and and properly done, like really well done so that you can build the trust. You you want to build the trust with the parents. You might be marketing to the kids, but you need to build the trust with the parents.
0: That's cool. Okay. Well, let's continue on. So let's pretend we're starting a new like match three studio mm-hmm. to target yeah. you know, kind of older women now. Um, how would you approach kind of designing a new game yeah. for like this audience?
1: Um, first of all, let's assume that you have a great team. So <laughs> let's just start with that.
0: Of course. I mean, but, it, it's us. Yeah. So we're going to have an all-star team, right?
1: Yes, yes, we, we are. Yes. Um, I would say like for me, it will be important to acknowledge that we are in a crowded space so there's a lot of these games out there so um by making something that resembles something else um maybe i'm making some shortcuts and i might be getting to market first but uh, or earlier sorry and then maybe you want to iterate but i wouldn't do that right away um i would actually um start to think about you know who is the player here and it's not I think um, I don't know. Women over forty-five is too big of an audience. So, so they, let's just narrow it a bit. So, who uh, who can be uh, a good target for us? And and that sometimes comes to uh, knowing someone in your circle that uh, that you think you want to deliver a game for, and is um, I don't know. Uh, someone that is interested in um ceramics so we are going to deliver a game that is 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 going to be uh something that caters to people that uh go to ceramics class um as a hobby just bear with me and so so i'm going to go out and i'm going to find those people and maybe i know like my mom's friend is one of those so i'm going to talk to that person and I'm going to talk to a lot more of them. I'm going to ask, um, you know, can I talk to more people in your class? And then I'm going to start talking with people. Uh, one of my recommendations is always, um, have you read the test? That's a um, it's a book about user research, but it's about interviewing, and I I love that method. You don't have to read the book. There is a video online if you if you want to watch it in ten minutes. But
0: the <laughs>
1: the book is the, the book is short and it's super useful. And it's about not asking them, "Do you want a mastery game about ceramics?" That's not how you do it. <laughs> like you're trying to figure out what do they like in their lives, um, what are their um, hobbies. Maybe it doesn't make any sense for them to play a game when they could be, I don't know, just you know, creating up yeah. some, yeah. some some plates at home. Um, so you want to really understand if if there is something there. If not, then you can explore different alternatives. Um, but but really uh, try to think about um, needs, interests, hobbies, things like that that are either underserved, like there is nothing in the market, um, or that are poorly served. So there is something in the market, but it could be better so you can do it better right so so it's like um and then you also want to understand who is playing that if if there is an existing game and um maybe go to reddit and try to understand if somebody's complaining about something in that game and (laughs) start with that yes um do you want to understand what is not working so that you can do something better because if you are in a crowded space you really need to either deliver something that is new or a blend of experiences that together have some uniqueness to them, even if they are not new, because, you know, everything is invented, uh, or something that is significantly better than what is out there. So um,
0: do you think, um, and here's an approach that I've heard of before. Um, Do you think it is a valid approach to find, let's say, women that by all and and, I mean it could be guys too but I'm going to assume that most women could be Candy Crush players and could I find women that by all their other accounts like they should enjoy this game and they should be playing this game but they don't Um, Mm -hmm. and to try to dig into well what don't you like about it like why why don't you like the game or something like so you know as an example possibly Homescapes did that and when they found out that Hey, you know, there's a lot of women that, you know, kind of like the, the the method, but they're like, there's no, like, it's just endless levels. Like, why would I spend my time doing this? And then homescapes came in and said, well, you spend your time doing this because you're going to renovate your house. Or then Lily's garden Mm -hmm. came in, you're going to do this so you can unlock the story and better understand her, you know?
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that connected it, um, connecting it to a theme like home, Renovation, which is something that a lot of um, female players are actually interested in is genius, so you are offering something that uh, I mean back then they there was not that many things I can't remember anything that was like that like that combination and um, yeah and then they were. They were using the mastery mechanics which actually uh, some people can enjoy um sorry a lot of people can enjoy and combine it with with an interest that can keep um uh, some people people coming back and i think they they also expanded over time they um the the original audience of people who like home renovating um uh, in this case playrix they did a lot of games that were like similar um structure but with different interests connected uh to the to the to the puzzle experience so so i think that they basically they're following that that tactic and it's, it's really working for them um i i don't know like i because i have a past of like triple a gaming i talk to a lot of companies that are trying to go into live services these days and and a lot of them want to do, like, you know, um, uh, let's do an FPS or a Battle Royale or something like that. I definitely, I I actually tell them that. It's like, look for people that are not satisfied with Fortnite. Um, either you. Like, <laughs> <it's> like because <laughs> Fortnite, Fortnite is, like, I think a fantastic experience. Like, they are always renewing the experience and making sure that as many people as possible enjoy it. Uh, but look for someone that doesn't enjoy it and try to understand what it is that you could potentially do, because we have a lot of like death battle, royale games in the market right now.
0: Yeah, yep. that's fascinating. Um, can you follow a similar approach with a kids game though, or like uh, you know, let's say you know, would it make sense? for me to validate a concept on like Roblox where there's a lot of kids already and maybe UA costs are cheaper or something like that. Like if we want to make a horse game, would it make sense mm-hmm. to spend time studying Roblox, try to talk to those users, maybe do some prototypes on Roblox first or?
1: Um, maybe. I oh, don't know. I didn't think about Roblox as a, maybe a way to experiment, but it makes sense. Uh, we... The size table, we actually talked about like, does it make sense for us to have a presence in Roblox? And uh, ultimately, we didn't try it because we didn't have the capacity, not because we didn't want to. And, um, uh, but I think that's that could be a way to, to understand, um, because Roblox is so big and they have so many, um, let's say, like, the the I don't think Roblox is one segment of the population, I think it's just a whole spectrum and with many different segments there with people playing different games. So you might definitely find opportunities to test um, a particular experience, and then maybe if that works, you could potentially take it and develop it as an independent game after. Um, I'm not sure if anyone has done it, like I was just trying to think. Do you know of
0: anyone, or not really? Um, no. I I've been thinking about uh, a lot of things in relation to UA recently, especially on mobile, where it seems like mobile UA is just completely borked um, after IDFA. Like I haven't seen hardly anything yes. to be able to scale up. So um, whenever I get into this kind of situation, I always think about how do I cheat or rewrite the rules um and so i've been yeah. thinking about you know other things like that uh, um
1: no but you're right like and we're also seeing that um so we have uh status table uh, had a game on soft launch and uh, mobile game so it's and it's very challenging to uh, do user acquisition really scale and, and getting confidence that that game is going to perform well uh if we do a global launch uh, so, so yeah, so there is a lot of thinking going on around alternatives. Um, so yeah, I, I can't really say, but there is that <laughs> problem would really exists. I, I do think that, uh, for example, looking at, looking at the status table, the MMO, going back to that, uh, in at the beginning of the year, um, the game released on iOS. So. We didn't have the game on iOS, and this is not a mobile game. It's literally a port of the MMO that you have on desktop. But um so obviously, there was a team that made a great like. So the experience is actually good, but it's not a mobile game. It's a it's, it's a game that you you play. You can do the cross cross play with with the desktop, and um and it feels maybe a bit like if you remember when Fortnite was on iOS, uh, it was not such a great experience. It was. Obviously, I think it was optimized for desktop and, co- and console, but it, it was still playable, so you can play it, then, uh, so it's stable online on mobile is is like that, but it is still um, when we launched globally. Um, it debuted on number one in several countries so, uh, especially in the countries where stress Stable is big and uh, I think that was a surprise for people in the industry that were like what the hell is this game <laughs> yeah I, why is this game number one and uh, and and at the same time i think it gives you an understanding that if you have that community that is going to give you a push to mm-hmm. it's, like you, it's almost like you have a head start so so if you can actually use that to propel the game in some way and this works for steam as well like if you have a community and you have gone through like you know uh, early access beta as blah, well blah, blah, and you have sort of like fostered and nurtured this community when you launch the game they can actually take it to a place where um steam is going to make uh they they're going to promote it for you and the same happened with the service stable on ios so it it has had um so I know these days the the Apple recommendation doesn't work as well as it used to, but but it has been there. And I don't think I don't think it would have been if we didn't have the community already uh before we launched. So so I, I see there's an opportunity and I see that as again something that maybe the Web3 games are actually doing. Uh, but I don't see why other games cannot replicate it. Yeah,
0: it's very interesting. Okay, I want to talk just a little bit, um, last like seven minutes, about subscriptions. Um Because yeah. I feel like a lot of people in gaming kind of scoff at this, and they're like, well, IAP, <laughs> most of my players, or my revenue is going to come from a small set of players They so just kind of have this expectation. Um, talk to me a little bit about like subscriptions. Like where have you seen them work, and where do you see them maybe fall through?
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um I'm trying to think about products that I've worked that had subscriptions and I think it's only standard stable. Uh, so so I can um I can tell you about it from like my own experience but also maybe my thinking. Uh so my thinking is that uh subscriptions push the pricing a bit higher than maybe lower priced in a purchases. So uh, there is more friction when when you want to sell subscriptions, and that can justify the expense on like attraction and channels and, 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 and things that you may actually uh, want to try. So Status Table has a significant uh, engine around attracting and, and user acquisition, and, and we have a great um, person in the company that has been leading user acquisition for many many years. And you can say we are lucky because we have an infinite amount of girls. So it's like you know there's new yeah. new, new 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 consumers, new new customers every every year. but um, but I think that expense is actually justified um because um, we are like the, the main entry point to the entire game. Is actually a lifetime subscription. So we it's almost like you're buying the boxed product. And you can also be subscribed on a monthly basis and, and there are other offers. So so I think for me it's maybe a, a question of diversifying your bets. I know it sounds very, but but if we so so if you're if you're using attraction channels that are like super low cost then maybe the hey let's you know let's let's go with ads or let's go with something that actually makes it sustainable for us to stay in the business and for for if you have a subscription you might need to spend a bit more in acquisition because there is more friction because of the pricing depends on the pricing but um but i think for me the trick not the trick the essential thing is to find what works for you to make it sustainable so that you don't go out of business just because nobody that you were attracting was interested in converting to a subscription.
0: Very cool. Interesting. Um, So, I mean, do you think that Star Stable Online could work without that subscription model? Like if they had more in-app purchases and more of like a free path up to something or i'm I'm thinking Mm -hmm. maybe like a you know runescape you can like play for free but then they have members only stuff that's like more restricted away
1: Mm -hmm. um yes and we have uh we have discussed about that so we and um and the opposite is also true like when i was at we discussed what a subscription could look like for toca Life because right now it's not subscription based it's something different and um I don't know where the thinking is with with Boca these days, but it's still stable.. Um, yes, we uh, I think the the risk is how do you experiment with that in a safe way? I don't think like <laughs> you can make a, yeah, you can make a bet, but um you sort of like never know what's going to happen uh until you like put it out there. The, but we definitely see right now you can play still stable. Uh, up to level five so you can play the game for a while you can Mm -hmm. stay in the game forever in the starting area so you can play forever there um you can buy currency so you can keep collecting horses even if you are in the starting area um but if you want to enjoy like the whole experience then um you need to subscribe and and i think that you could well Like, like that's definitely something that could be done. It's like, let's just get rid of the subscription. Um, But then I think we will actually have the pressure to add more um, sort of like currency sinks so that we will promote the the activation of an economy that maybe we don't have today. And it could actually force us into um, a monetization space that maybe we don't like because of the, audience that we have so it, we don't we really don't want to go very aggressively we we even like in the past we talked about like oh let's just make consumables it like, doesn't doesn't feel right like we we don't want to make consumables <laughs> like the um if if you are buying something like it's, it should be especially with the hard currency then it, it should be a value that endures in the game um so the so this is going back to that feeling that there are a lot of things that you could potentially do that you are not going to do if you are making a game for kids just because of the audience. Um, even um, even when you look at metrics. So if you are looking at retention again, like the topic of your podcast, um, what is good retention for a game for kids? So um, there is you you really have to think about it. Like if do I want a kid to be glued to the screen three hours a day, seven days a week? Uh, probably not. So we, we wanted to do other things. So um, so when we design things, we think about like fear of missing out. Like the that the kids want to go on vacation, and we the, we and we didn't have a mobile version before. So so kids were like sending us messages like, "Hey, I'm going on vacation, and, and I can play for three weeks." How can I get whatever is happening in three weeks? And, and they were, yeah, so terrified. Uh, so so we we really need to think about those things. You have to rethink them. And if you're hiding, we are hiding people from the industry at large and and it's a it's an education. Like we have to onboard people properly to say, for forget you are an expert, but forget a bit what you actually did in in your past life because your audience is different. So, Sit down and learn first uh, about what we think is a good experience uh, for kids what we think is ethically good for kids and and then just you know, like uh, we're pretty sure that you will be able to use your skills to do something that is good for 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 our audience.
0: Okay well. I'm sure we could keep going for a long time, but we're pretty much out of time I, I, know, I do yes. have one one last <laughs> question for you because we are in the Mastering Pot- uh, Retention podcast, of course. Of course. Um, and that is, you know, what's one tip or trick or lesson you've learned over the years to, you know, increase player retention? Like, how do you keep your players playing for longer, whether it's days or weeks or months or ideally years, right? How do you mm-hmm. keep
1: Um, I would say um, I like the idea of developing Strong bonds with players. So um, um, when I talk about the strategy with with people, I usually uh, call the you know switching costs, the idea that you want to stay in a game. Um and, and there are many ways that you can actually um achieve that. Um but the one of the things that I like about the games like Star Stable is that we can actually build bonds with the with the players so, so it's like hey uh if you have been taking care of a horse for years then you have a bond with that horse or with your stable if you have a collection of horses so so you're going to come back and play with your friends uh you're playing with your community so you're creating bonds with your in online friends the the people that are in your riding club and and you're also creating bonds with the characters in our story so so the, the story is is um uh it can become very emotional and players get an emotional connection to the characters so that and, and also we have made a great effort to make the characters relatable to the kids so our characters are very diverse and it's a there's a lot of representation in in in, in what you can find in the game And and that story is evolving all the time. So I think that that keeps people coming back in a way that feels safe. So it's going back to the previous question in a a way that doesn't feel like we are promoting some sort of fear of missing out. So this might be a softer touch than other answers that you get.
0: (laughs) That's great. Well, thank you so much. Um, If folks do have any questions, or they want to learn more, is there a good way for them to get in contact with you?
1: Probably LinkedIn. I am like deadly allergic to social media for some reason. (laughs) So I'm linked, but I am in LinkedIn. Yes.
0: Love it. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Luis.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks, Tom.